Hello and welcome to our last Maritime Impact podcast episode in 2023. I'm your host, Eric Nyhus, Director Environment for Maritime at DNV. This year, the International Maritime Organization made some big decisions, pushing for stricter decarbonization measures, with net zero emissions by 2050 being the ultimate goal. The maritime industry is exploring different new low or zero carbon fuels as we're heading into a fuel diverse future. We also learned that collaboration is key to develop a zero carbon supply chain serving the different new fuels. Today, we're diving a bit deeper into a leading example to see how all these puzzle pieces can fit together for a greener future. I'm really happy to welcome Cristina Saenz de Santa Maria, Regional Manager in the Indian Maritime, covering regions Southeast Asia, Pacific and India, to the podcast to look at Singapore, the leading maritime decarbonization hub, and to learn from their game-changing projects and partnerships. Join us as we uncover what it takes to steer us towards a more sustainable shipping industry. Christina, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. A pleasure. Great to have you here. Um, uh, as we both know, of course, the maritime industry faces a monumental challenge, establishing novel infrastructure capable of delivering zero carbon fuels, while also implementing additional measures like shore power. All of these are vital, of course, to meeting the IMO's 2050 objectives, as well as fostering a sustainable impact on climate protection and so on. Uh, we know that Singapore started off with many initiatives, um, going all the way back to uh, 2011 with the Maritime Singapore Green Initiative Program, enhancing this in 2019 by the Maritime and Port Authority of Singapore, uh, intending to drive decarbonization locally. Um, on August 1st in 21, we had the Global Center for Maritime Decarbonization setting sail, and we, of course, are uh, engaged there, you, you in particular. Um, we, we have uh, supporting partners there, along with the M- funding from MPA. So we have BHP, BW, we have the DNV Foundation, of course, Eastern Pacific Shipping, Ocean Network Express, O&E, um, and, and Citrium. And, of course, in 2022, the MPA released the Maritime Singapore Decarbonization Blueprint, developed in consultation with industry partners. Now, this is just to name a few examples, and it's obvious, you know, that Singapore is really putting a lot of effort into decarbonization and efforts here work here. So, Christina, could, could you elaborate a bit more on, on, on the specific policies and how, what kind of government-led initiatives Singapore has implemented to foster its position as a hub for decarbonization? I mean, how do the diverse stakeholders work together to drive this? And what, what, not least, what, um, what milestones are we looking at here? What are, what are we intending, what's Singapore intending to achieve? Well, yes, thank you, Eric. Uh, absolutely. I think Singapore is really being active in uh, and uh, in achieving uh, that uh, those ambitious plans of uh, you know cutting the CO two emissions uh, to net zero by uh, by twenty fifty, and uh, that doesn't come just by itself and easily. But um, I think Singapore, as you mentioned, since already since two thousand and eleven, has been uh, putting stepping stones to 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 reach that and. Uh, uh, to 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 begin with, uh, the, to to achieve this decarbonization goal, this uh, city state really plans to replace seventy uh, percent of its energy supply with hydrogen, with ammonia, and uh, as well as uh, carbon capture utilization and uh, and storage uh, technologies. Um, they also in two thousand and nineteen already set the ambitions to become a premier uh, carbon hub, uh, a place where firms could actually purchase high-quality carbon uh, credits from Asia. 
Uh, so, uh, so, so they have always been in the, in the front run. Uh, they also introduce a carbon tax, which actually covers around 80% of the domestic um, uh, emissions. And, uh, and then uh, MPA um, also launched a uh, uh, quite comprehensive uh, Maritime Singapore decarbonization um, uh, program uh, called Blueprint. Uh, that is basically aligned with the Paris Agreement, and uh, they uh, actually allocated uh, at least a 300 million a dollar uh, in order for this uh, plan, decarbonization plan, to happen, which covers uh, seven key areas, uh, all from port terminals, uh, domestic harbor crafts, future marine fuels, bunkering standards and infrastructure, and also the Singapore Registry of, of Ships. Uh, and uh, international efforts, including uh, IMO, and uh, really focusing as well in uh, research and development and uh, and talent. So they really want, by this initiative, to make all ports uh, to adopt uh, cleaner energy, uh, also automation and digitalization. Uh, from 2030, talking about milestones that you were asking, uh, it's the first milestone where they want all new harbor and pleasure craft uh, that operates in Singapore waters uh, to be either fully electric or be using a B100 uh, biofuel or something compatible with net zero fuel, uh, um, net zero fuels such as um, hydrogen. Singapore is also the world's largest bunker in uh, port. So Singapore is really looking at a multi-fuel future and developing the bunkering standards and infrastructure to uh, to achieve that. Uh, apart from that, I think uh, Singapore has um, engaged into a private-public uh, partnership uh, with the likes of uh, the Global Center of Maritime Decarbonization, which you also uh, touch upon in the in the intro, and also. Um, Helping um, working together with the industry uh, in initiatives such as the Castor Joint Development Project Initiative uh, back in uh, February 2021, who's looking specifically about ammonia. So they are touching, you know, different areas, uh, but to cover the whole supply chain. And of course, Singapore is is leveraging on on its position as a bunkering hub, as you, as you mentioned. It's it's a key to, it's a key transit point between, between east and west, uh, east and west essentially. Um, so, so that 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 uh, seems like a very sensible way to go. Um, now. Since you mentioned um, hydrogen and also ammonia, of course, you know we can we can talk a little bit about that, uh, five, uh, or touch upon at least that five hundred pound gorilla, um, the, the, the safety aspects um, of uh, bunkering new fuels, because that essentially segues into uh, the, the question I want to ask about how we as classification societies can uh, contribute to to facilitate the, not only the success of the partnerships but also the success of the technologies, because obviously Singapore is densely populated you would not want to see a bunkering incident with ammonia for instance and we as dnv we are working obviously extensively with safety questions so how, how do you see our role in in making sure that we're not ensuring going towards a shall we say a greener future but also a safer future how would you look at that no absolutely and i think that that's the in a way the the beauty of the classification societies is that you know we work based on facts and that's what we provide and what we look is at the whole value chain and we have um, 
uh, a global perspective since we are located uh, in uh, 100 countries and work with different stakeholders in different parts of the world. So we also don't need to reinvent the wheel every time we are looking at at, at, uh, at a specific point. So um, specifically on, on ammonia and on bunkering, we were engaged uh, with the GCMD on the... Um, on a study on safety uh, bunkering of uh, of ammonia, we looked at uh, different uh, concepts. We look at uh, different uh, site uh, selection uh, in order to do this uh, safely. Because uh, even if we if it might take a bit longer, it is extremely important uh, for the whole industry that we do this uh, safely. Otherwise, it will really backfire. And I mean, we as class societies, we don't have any you know, commercial interest in one fuel or the other. Again, we just based ourselves on, on, on facts. And that I think is what the, what the industry and the, and the world needs. And um, I think Singapore is also an example of how the different class societies are working together. We signed a letter of interest uh, in uh, the Singapore Maritime Week uh, this year in order to, to work together uh, when it comes to standardization, right? And uh, making the technical reference uh, in maritime digitalization and decarbonization so that uh, we can um, smooth the, smoothen the path uh, for, the, for the stakeholders to, to take action on it. I, I would suspect that, um, in, in a sense, that would also touch on what we're seeing a lot of these days. We're seeing news on approvals and principles for new design and technologies, the dominating maritime press. We're seeing all these new projects being signed, whether they're methanol, ammonia, hydrogen, uh, and, and, and whatnot. Um, now, what would you see as the notable technological innovations or advancements that have emerged from Singapore, and, and how are these pushing towards decarbonization are they are, are we seeing significant take up and i mean singapore as any country has limited resources as well of course so would you think that they singapore is covering all possible solutions or is there a focus on certain technologies at present well i think that one of them I, I really you know admire and have to commend the the singapore uh, based uh, ship owners because they are really uh, being first movers and, and testing um, solutions out, which is, I think, what the industry needs. I think there has been enough talk, and what we need some pro- what we need is uh, projects and, um, and and pilots. And uh, we know that uh, as DNB, that is going to be a multi-fuel future uh, related to decarbonization. And and Singapore as a as, a, as the world's largest bunkering hub, they also want to position themselves as, as that multi-fuel future. So the, obviously, for example, they are looking at green methanol with the first bunkering already hap- uh, happened in, in July. But they are also looking at, um, at ammonia uh, and they see maybe 2026 as the year where the uh, bunkering uh, might, uh, might happen. And, and obviously as well, uh, hydrogen at a lower lower pace, but looking into that. The good thing about Singapore is the ecosystem and how they are working together, for example, uh, with working groups, uh, uh, with uh, representatives from the Global Maritime Forum, you know, the National University of Singapore, University of Oxford and City to identify, for example, the gaps that we have in regulation and also not to forget the important part about financing because there is a, a, a gap difference, a price gap difference, and the green fuels are going to be more expensive. So we need to be able to finance that 
and uh, not penalize the first movers. Uh, so uh, so I th there's a lot of working groups and piloting going around. The other thing that uh, Singapore is really looking at is the electrification. And uh, we already have uh, examples and uh, we have MPA and Shell that have worked together in the first electric uh, uh, ferry um, that is uh, already trading here in um, in Singapore, uh, operated by Penguin, which is a local uh, company. And uh, MPA, it's also uh, supporting uh, other companies uh, to go uh, electric. Uh, and uh, they have actually set quite a lot of expectations from, um, as I mentioned before, from the small harbor craft and a uh, pleasure craft uh, from 2030. So, um, and I think what is uh, interesting, especially for us and uh, from DMV, is um, the experience we have with electrification, right? Also, you know, looking at our one of our home turfs in Norway, right? And how how that has happened. So uh, we feel that we have a lot of value to 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 add to push the the industry forward in this part of the world. That's really that's really good to hear, and 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 I, and I want to pick up on something that you said there because you mentioned finance, and um, that's that's obviously a key word here. You know, money makes the world go round and all that stuff. Um, now, that that brings me to the question essentially: in uh, when you you mentioned finance, you mentioned public private partnerships. So my question would be: um, how is Singapore driving this? Are they offering? financial incentives are they apply, um, applying a stick in the form of local regulations and so on or is it a mix of both or is it is it more complex uh, how, what do you see as the prime driver in that sense i think it's a mix of very different elements but i think the finance side really has a lot to say and i think that's very typical of singapore on you know looking for the business uh, to, to 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 thrive and uh, that is why uh, going back to that maritime decarbonization uh, blueprint program that they allocated 300 million uh, sing dollar that's around 240 million USD uh, at least to help the ecosystem uh, here but there's also uh, tax uh, benefits right like for example already in 2022 they they put new incentives uh, for the Singapore flag the ships that uh, the ones that undertook some kind of decarbonization efforts, they would have, you know, um, initial uh, registration freeze reduction of something in between 20 to 100%, right? Depending on what is their decarbonization uh, effort. And also the same with the Green Port Program, which uh, MPA also provides uh, up to 30% of port fee reduction for uh, to encourage uh, all the stakeholders to you know, to, 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 to improve the sustainability footprint of their, of their vessels. So money is definitely involved and, uh, yeah, and uh, a big incentive. So, Christina, is, since you mentioned uh, Norway and uh, we're talking about initiatives, we're talking about public-private partnerships and all that, um, a couple of years back at uh, the COP in Glasgow, we had green corridors being uh, uh, talked about uh, a, a lot. It was really um, say one of the key focus areas of the shipping industry. Uh, Norway, Singapore, of course, has also signed up to that. Uh, green corridors uh, has been highlighted. Um, but 
the track record globally at least has been a bit, bit mixed. We don't necessarily see things uh, happening. It may be because there is a lack of public-private partnerships, financing, I, I, I don't know. But in the context of Singapore, uh, how, how do you see the green corridors? Is it something that is happening? Uh, is it a key focus area or is it more like a gift wrapping on top of a lot of other initiatives that matter more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, uh, Eric. And I think that the the, the industry has realized, you know, how complex the, the these uh, green corridor concepts uh, are to to realize. But uh, uh, I think that it they are important because of the global nature of of shipping. You need international collaboration, and that always adds complexity. Uh, so uh, Singapore has been quite vocal about the belief. Uh, and the need uh, for these uh, green corridors uh, as a pathway to a more um, sustainable uh, um, maritime industry. Uh, and this encompasses a range of different measures, right? It can be the adoption of cleaner fuels, uh, optimized uh, logistics, or an even improved uh, vessel designs. And those are the, all the pieces of the puzzle that um, they need to work uh, together and to create a proper uh, framework that supports um this uh, this progress so uh singapore has um, committed and uh, and has been quite vocal on uh, a, ship, a green shipping uh, a green shipping corridor with uh, rotterdam for example and uh, both partners have the ambition to actually reduce the emissions by uh, 20% striving for 30% by uh, by 2030 and uh, also mpa has signed uh, MOU with Port of Los Angeles and Port of Long Beach to to have both the green and also they put quite a lot of emphasis on the digital because I think data uh, and uh, smart operations, uh, it's also a part of of reducing emissions and a big part that Singapore believes that we should uh, um, focus on. And also they are in talks uh, with, uh, with Australia as well to maybe start something by, by 2025. So it's a solution that they believe in, but the devil is in the details and that now they are looking at those details. All right. So, so essentially, we can say that, yes, there is hope, there is stuff happening, but maybe uh, the optimism was a bit bit high post-Glasgow in that it was going to happen immediately. Things do take time in this industry. We, we, we know that, uh, of course. Um, and, and speaking of timelines, um, just you know, a quick sidestep or the, the, the slight dive again into uh, low-carbon fuels for bunkering purposes. Um, what kind of timelines are we looking at here? When do we expect to see... Uh, uh, alternatives uh, becoming available in volume in um, in Singapore, um, and I guess we already talked about the safety aspects of that, so we can leave that uh, that aside. But just just a timeline. Yeah. So um, so uh, MPA and Singapore is really uh, focusing on on green methanol or e-methanol, but obviously there's still uh, the um, we need to have this methanol available, right? So I think that the next step will be for the Standard Development Organization uh, at the Singapore Chemical Industry Council and MPA to actually develop the technical reference uh, for the operational safety requirements. So that's the first step, to have the the, the standards. And uh, what they say is that they believe that the green methanol uh, and the large-scale adoption will only happen beyond 2030 uh, because, uh, yeah, there's still... uh, a few suppliers of fuels that need to work to to ramp up uh, that uh, that production 
but 2030 is around the corner if you think about you know all the pieces of the puzzle that they that we as an industry need to 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 figure out then obviously ammonia as i mentioned before uh, it's um really on the on the watch by uh, by mpa uh, but still we still need to have that supply that technology maturity and the suitable regulations uh, and uh, and i think that that's one of the maybe characteristics of uh, of of Singapore and MPA being both a regulator and also quite a trailblazer and how they manage to have that balance uh, because obviously they're you know as a regulator they need to make sure that everything that you know it's adopted uh, it's done in a in a safe way right so uh, but they think that the you know the the, the one of the first bunkerings of ammonia might happen uh, from uh, 2026 uh, and then in hydrogen. Uh, they are looking at it, and actually, Singapore already work, uh, welcomed the first, um, the world's first uh, bulk uh, liquefied hydrogen carrier, the Swiss One Frontier, and uh, and by this type of uh, of uh, projects and pilots, it has actually helped to 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 with the development of the safety and operational procedures. So there's still it's still a bit uh, a few years. Uh, ahead of us, but uh, I don't think the industry has any time to lose into, as I said, working to all the different uh, pieces of the puzzle to make uh, those uh, bunkers and transfers uh, safe. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. You mentioned 2030, and you know, just to recall, we do have this 2030 target uh, at the IMO, both for five percent for the low and zero and uh, and zero emission technologies and fuels. We have the reduction targets for 2030, and it's just around the corner. So any acceleration in ramp up is, of course, very, very welcome. Um, and in, in that context, um, you know, we we established the Maritime Decarbonization Autonomy Regional Center Excellence back in 21 uh, to focus on digitalization and decarbonization in. Southeast Asia. Um, you, you already mentioned the digitalization as part of the Green Corridors thing and um, uh, potential linkages uh, in improving logistics chains. I would I would expect. Um, would this be one of the key one of the key initiatives of the center, um, or can you say a little bit about the other focus areas as we move forward here? Yeah. No. Absolutely. So uh, we we really see. You know, the decarbonization and digitalization working together. Uh, also, because one of the areas which we, uh, not only in this center but in DMV, right, we believe in is uh, energy efficiency, right? The cleanest energy is actually no energy, and uh, and the use of data uh, uh, will uh, will really help the industry in that in that uh, in that respect. So um, we established that center of excellence actually a couple of years back, um, at a time when the Singapore government. Uh, actually saw that there's a need for a stronger push to decarbonize uh, the, the the industry and uh, as you say we not we don't only focus on on Singapore but also in other countries uh, around the regions and uh, we have key hubs uh, in um, of course in Singapore in Australia and also in um, in in India so uh, we have commissioned uh, uh, several projects for different uh, stakeholders, like the the one for the Global Center for Maritime Decarbonization that I mentioned before on safety and operational guidelines for piloting ammonia bunkering uh, here in Singapore. Another one that I feel very proud of is together with the Singapore Maritime Foundation, and that was regarding the a study on the future of seafarers, right? And what are the key drivers uh, transforming the maritime industry, and how are we gonna um, Take the seafarers with us in this uh, in this change, and what is the gap 
So, um, so, so that was another one. And for example, we have done white paper on the Indian coastal green shipping program, which we have also based ourselves quite a lot on the experience we have from the Norwegian um, green shipping programs as well, which is a, a, another great example of private and um, and uh, and public uh, partnership. Um, then we we move all around, uh, for example, to to have bespoke decarbonization plans like comprehensive safety analysis. We have done, for example, for AT, also with Anglo American uh, studies, uh, feasibility studies regarding battery electric boat operations at waterways. Uh, and uh, also another item that we are looking at, which I think is extremely relevant, is the management of change projects, meaning related to the adoption of alternative fuels, such as the LNG, methanol, or, or ammonia. For example, we have done one for Hawk Autoliners, right? Also helping uh, with the decarbonization roadmaps because it's quite a, it's quite a daunting task to decarbonize, right? The, the industry, your fleet, or wherever you're you're looking at. So, so what are the steps that you're gonna take uh, to, to 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 reach there? Uh, it's, it's quite um, quite important uh, for us. So maybe just to add on, the the autonomous part is also something that we are looking at, and then the um, the seafarers, the training and development on the seafarers and the shore base uh, staff. Uh, it is uh, something that we we also try to to promote and we talk a lot to, to our customers because uh, there's no way we can do this transition in a safe way without them. Th- thank you for all those details, uh, Christina. Uh, it, it's interesting to hear, but when we to hear the deep dive aspects of this. But now, if you take a more uh, helicopter kind of perspective to this, um, if you if we're going to focus on what kind of key challenges has Singapore faced in its journey towards maritime decarbonization, um, what have been the main building blocks or stumbling blocks, and how, or however you want to put this together, and and what kind of strategies are think Singapore thinking about for for the future, how to overcome these challenges? Because here, I'm sure there is a lot of learning, uh, both for uh, countries in the regions and also for countries outside the region. No, absolutely, Eric. And I, I would say that if I may um, mention the first one is actually the cost and the high cost because decarbonizing, you know, yeah. costs a lot of money. And I think it's how the ecosystem has worked together, right? And the understanding one of the key enablers for at least some of the pilots uh, that, uh, that uh, have been uh, ongoing. And uh, again, it is, is, is one of the characteristics of, of, of Singapore, right? That closed ecosystem that within 20 minutes you reach to all the needed uh, stakeholders. Uh, and uh, and uh, by putting incentives, and I've mentioned them before, also some from MPA, uh, you, you create a level playing field that doesn't stop the first movers. So I think that um, this is really uh, an important thing to take into account any 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 country. Uh, that wants to 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 decarbonize. I think it is important for the private companies, for the policymakers, for the industry experts to have a forum to discuss uh, these challenges together and say can, how can we take this sector, you know, uh, forward. And uh, and I think a, a key element on that is the innovation. You need innovation. We need new solutions 
uh, if we want to achieve the the, the ambitious uh, IMO goals uh, that they have uh, set. And um, and uh, Singapore has created a few arenas for this innovation to happen, like for example the MPA Living Lab uh, and the Maritime Transformation Program. They also have what they call Pier 71, which is Port Innovation Ecosystem Reimagined, uh, which uh, basically provides uh, uh, funds. Uh, and uh, now it has actually been expanded with uh, four new venture capitalists with $6 million uh, dollar, uh, in order to, to, to fund promising maritime startups uh, and, uh, and further enhance the maritime ecosystem. So I think it's that working together, private or uh, public uh, um, companies, uh, the big ones, and then the, 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 the maritime startups, it's, it's what is really, you know, unlocking uh, the, 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 the private sector uh, funding by the risking uh, different solutions so that they can actually test out uh, on, uh, on board. So, uh, and then I think it's really good to, to see authorities like the Monetary Authority of Singapore Right, having established a green industry, uh, green finance industry task force to, to develop a, a taxonomy that can help, you know, this uh, this green uh, transition and also other uh, important stakeholders like Enterprise Singapore that uh, really wants to help SMEs, you know, to have better access to green finance. I think that uh, if you don't have that, uh, yeah, it will be extremely difficult to make this uh, happen. And then uh, Singapore is very vibrant. A lot of um, organizations form up. Uh, and uh, so we have the Singapore Shipping Association. We have the Singapore Maritime Foundation that they all, talk, you know, cover different aspects of the of the issue. And, uh, and you have the whole uh, industry basically uh, rowing in the same direction. Yeah, thank you for that. And it's interesting because, you know, you, you essentially you're highlighting the value of a close-knit community with stakeholders from all um, all walks of life, in a sense, con- con- contributing here. It, it's more than just a free hand of the market. This is uh, definitely a collaborative effort. Um, and, and speaking of, of, of collaboration, um, we talked about the shipping community, of course, greatly here, the shipping industry and so on. But... Um, there is more to Singapore than just that, of course, and because maritime is uh, very visible in Singapore. Uh, ne- nevertheless, the maritime industry is typically kind of an out of sight, out of mind industry for the world at large. Um, so, in how how do you see Singapore's engagement with the local community and the local stakeholders with um, in respect of maritime decarbonization? How do you raise awareness that this is actually something that matters outside the sector itself? Yeah, so I think that maritime, Singapore has this um, characteristic that they need the outside world, you know, because of its geography and, uh, you know, uh, uh, they need the outside world. And I think that that is what makes them have an open mind, uh, the same as as they need uh, international um, talent. They need to nurture their own talent as well, and I think that that openness is the one that creates these um, organizations that are really shaping the the the, the industries, the carbonization efforts. And uh, I, I mentioned the, the Singapore Shipping Association, the Singapore Maritime Academy, the Association of uh, Singapore Marine Industries, that really play an active role 
in engaging the industry and uh, driving the, the country's uh, decarbonization uh, going forward. And uh, having that really engaged regulator uh, with the Maritime Port Authority, which again, they play the role as well as a trailblazer. Uh, I think it's the... Uh, is is part of the of the of the recipe. So uh, we need to be open to the world and uh, and ready to to take some uh, calculated risks. Well, th- th- thanks a lot, Christine. I, this has been really insightful, and and I mean, there's a heck of a lot to learn actually from what Singapore has been doing. I mean, Singapore has advantages, like I said, close knit community and all that, uh, but uh, there are lessons to be learned here that uh, other parts of the world also should pick up upon to drive the global maritime decarbonization efforts. Um, so, so we, you know, again, th- thank you for coming to the podcast. We really appreciate that. If I was to summarize my key takeaways fr- from the conversation, um, it would be just, you know, off the top, top of my head, four of them. Uh, first and foremost, national initiatives matter because, you know, you set an example internationally, but and also nationally, of course. Um, and if possible, design them to work synergistically with whatever happens at the, in, at the international level. You mentioned the IMO. We didn't talk about that to a great extent, but the, the, these things need to mesh together. Uh, Obviously, also, collaboration and experience uh, sharing is key. Um, Public-private partnerships, collaboration as a fuel of the future, etc., etc. These are all ways to angle that. So that is also key to Singapore's success, the way I I read you. Um, You mentioned innovation, technology development, and deployment. Um, All of these take time, even if you put good accelerators in place. So, again, back to the 2030 targets. Immediate action is needed. I mean, not only in Singapore, but um, also globally. Um, and uh, to paraphrase something, I think you said earlier here. Maybe it's all best captured by that phrase. You know, less talk, more action. Maybe that's where we really need to go. So, so, so with that, again, thank you so much for coming to the pod. Uh, been great talking to you, Christina. Thank you so much, Erica. Pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this episode. You've been listening to the Maritime Impact Podcast from DNV with me, Eric Nyhus, and it was a real pleasure to have Christina with me today. Time passes quickly, and meeting the initial global decarbonization goal by 2030 is a massive undertaking, and it's indispensable to look to regional pioneers, such as Singapore, who are taking bold and courageous steps, as they are an invaluable source of learning for all of us. I personally remain confident that we'll witness an upsurge in decarbonization-driven initiatives as we move into 2024. This has been the last episode of our sixth Maritime Impact podcast series. We'll be back in spring 24 to examine the impact of the MEPC 81 decisions, track the post-implementation progress of the EU ETS, and explore the critical actions required for fuel EU maritime compliance, among other relevant topics. Don't forget to download and read our latest maritime forecast to 2050 if you haven't done so yet. The report provides a comprehensive overview of the different decarbonization options and also looks into what it takes to implement a zero-carbon supply chain. The download is available at dnv.com maritime hyphen forecast. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to give us a rating or a review. Thank you for listening.